Welcome to today's podcast of Center of Least Nation. This is Pat LaRusso. I'm joined by a very new co-host to today's podcast is Amanda, our brand new teammate. And you all know and love our third co-host, uh, Lucas. Welcome, both of you. This will be fun. Looking forward to our mid-season report cards. I'm excited. Absolutely. Welcome, Amanda. Yes, so Amanda started off with a heater of her first blog, you know, when she first joined us. Um, and it's just kind of caught on ever since. So, Amanda, you know, congratulations on the first blog. And, you know, do you want to maybe share with our listeners, you know, your fandom and, and maybe even drop a little bit of your blog, maybe if just in case our listeners hadn't read it yet? Um. So I originally became a Leafs fan because of my dad and my brother. So I kind of, I'm not going to lie, when I was younger, I wasn't too into like NHL hockey. I would go to like hockey games for my younger brother. And then I realized that I was uh, one of those people that when I have like a favorite player. So like, for example, my brother, I get like super passionate about the sport because then it's like. I don't know. I just like having like a team that or a person that I'm like super attached to kind of thing. So then they brought me to my first game and then that was kind of just it. And then I fell in love with them. And now I don't look back. So here we are. Now I'm just on Twitter tweeting about them all the time. All that good stuff. No, excellent. Excellent. So let's have some fun. You know, the Leafs have given us a lot to be excited about after the first 42 games. Um, so, you know, I thought what better way to kind of wrap up the first half is to, you know, kind of give some report cards, some grades. So we'll start with our letter, you know, those that we feel deserve the A. Um, so I guess for my choice, I have to go with William Nylander, who's having one hell of a start to his uh, season and, and career year. So, Amanda, who do you who do you have for your A? So I kind of wanted to go off the grid. So I picked a defenseman and I picked um, TJ Brody. Wow. Yeah, he, he kind of, he stuck, he stuck out as well. Um, the, definitely a difficult choice, but very well done. And Lucas? Brody's interesting, honestly, because he is probably one of the most underrated defensemen, uh, maybe, maybe in Maple Leafs history, but definitely in the NHL. And, and it's ironic because I don't think the, the decor works as well as it normally would without a guy like TJ Brody. Um, I'm not going to go with a defenseman, even though Morgan Riley deserves more than enough credit. I'm actually going to go with Michael Bunting as a surprise A pick. Um, and the reason for that, who is right? Like, nobody would have thought <laughs> Michael Bunting. But you know what, truthfully? Lucas, that stands to be corrected because there was someone on our team that was touting him prior to us, to the least even signing him. You know what? That is fair. That is fair. I'll take a step back. I'll take a step back and admit that you were the first person on the Michael Bunting is actually going to be very good for the Maple Leafs train. Um, so I'd like to add on to that and say that halfway through the season now, I think it's almost, you'd, you'd be silly not to say he's been one of the most valuable players. Obviously he's not their most skilled and their best player, but I would say he's probably one of the most valuable 29 points in 42 games, considering he's getting paid $900,000. It's under a mil, right? Yeah, you you can't ask for that production. I'm pretty sure it's under a mil. You can't ask for that type of production. And and to be honest with you, he's obviously going to finish with close to 30 points. So I shouldn't say that's obvious. You'd hope he's going to finish with close to 50 points. 
Um, and if you're getting that production with that price point, there's, there's nothing more you can ask for. And he compliments Matthews and Nylander so well. He brings the grit that the Leafs need. And through 40 games this season, I'm, I'm a very big Michael Bunting fan. And I think he deserves an A grade. Yeah, you know what? Can I, can I, you know what? I was actually really, like, I was really debating between Willie and Bunting. Um, I just like what Willie has brought. I like the fact that he's added on to his, you know, to his arsenal, being able to, you know, be focused on like the penalty kill. Um, I think he gives the power, the first power play unit, which has been lights out this season, a different element that we didn't see last year. Um, it's an additional threat to shoot, which I think has helped, you know, guys like Matthews and even open up some extra ice for, for Marner and Tavares. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I have a soft spot for Willie. I've met him twice. I think he's a great guy. So, you know, I, that's kind of where I went. And I know a lot of people would be like, why didn't you take Austin? And, you know, he's on this tear and he, you know, he's, you know, staring down possibly becoming the franchise player for a single season in goals. But I think that would just be too easy of a choice. What are your thoughts, Amanda? Um, well, like in regards to bunting, I think that's something too, that like, obviously everybody looks at production and kind of like what they bring um, in terms of skill. But I think like, a guy like him, like he, he, yeah, he doesn't get paid a lot, but he also brings like a lot of heart to the team. And I think that when we lost Hyman, like it kind of softened the blow a little bit because like you got a, a, like a character guy who has like basically all the qualities that I would want in a player on the Leafs and like someone that is kind of like already a fan favorite, basically. I like the fact that he draws penalties and he's yeah. like, he's become like a modern day Marshawn without the licking. Yeah. Without, without the licking, without the cheap shots, I'm all in. Yeah, like he's drawn just as many penalties as Connor McDavid. Isn't that crazy? Like I saw someone post that, I think it was earlier on this week. And I was like, either that's amazing for Michael Bunting or that's really shitty for Connor McDavid. But like... That's one of those things where both things can be true. Yeah, yeah, both things can be true. You know what I mean? But Michael Bunting just seems to be everywhere. Even when he's like, even when he's on the bench, you can, you know, you, you hear stories of him chirping the opposing team or or players as they skate by. So, you know, he, he does offer a little, like a lot of what Simon brought, a lot of the physicality to going into the corner, into the corners, but there's this extra little element that I don't think Hyman ever brought. And I, I think that he'll do really well it's, in the playoffs. It's the extra spice. I know all about spice. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of spice. I love that. A little bit of spice. It is. And he's, he's really fun to watch. Like he's just, he, I don't know. I, I, I love him, but you know what? You both are right on Brody. He is the most, you don't notice him. There's never been like a big event. You know, he, yeah, he's maybe had like a couple bad games, but he just plays a really quiet form of defense. And it is, it's, it's very underappreciated. Especially in this market that likes their grinders and likes the guys that are going to, you know, take a guy and plaster him through the glass. Um, and that seems to be the only characteristic that people see in, in a defenseman in this marketplace. But I just like what he's brought to Morgan Riley. And, and I think it's allowed Morgan to expand his capabilities as well. Oh, that's evident. Yeah. Morgan Riley is, is two different people over the last two years that he's been with TJ Brody and uh, for Brody to log 20, almost 21 minutes a night. And you don't hear his name ever. And the only time you do it's when the puck's on his stick and, perfect tape to tape pass to a winger and out of the zone. There's, there's genuinely nothing more you can ask for. This is, he is the defenseman that Toronto has been longing for, for years. Yeah. And no, most definitely. So I guess now we'll start with uh, Lucas 
And Lucas, do you want to provide who your B player is? Yeah, this was this was a toss. So this was actually tough um, because B B sounds like such a disrespectful way to say their season has been slightly above average. But this player has, has honestly had a great season. It's just a small sample size, so that's why I'm going to throw him at a B right now. But I'm going to go with Ilya Mikheyev. Um, that's because he's been lights out since returning from injury. And and to be honest with you, he's another one of those players that you you had high hopes for. He kind of had a bit of a down year. I know he struggled with injury last year as well, but he's shown this year clearly what he can do and, and why the why the Leafs liked him in the first place. It's kind of unfortunate because he's not signed on a longer deal, so he's going to cost some money next year, but that's next year's problem. As for, for this year, he's, he's done honestly everything that the Leafs could ask for. He complements that third line well. He could play in the top six. He could play in the bottom six. He's quick. He's big. I like him. I like him a lot, and I think that he's played very well this year. I'm going to give him a B grade. Really, it's probably a B plus, A minus. But for the sake of the argument, I'll say B. Excellent. So, Amanda, who's your B player? Okay, so Lucas took mine. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, my next – so I had, like, a runner-up for each one. So I'm going to say Engvall, which is probably going to surprise a lot of people. But I – okay, so – Engvall and Mikheyev were both kind of two players that I was like on the fence about for a long time. And I think not that I didn't like them as players. I just think that they were two very frustrating players because of their size and because of like what they could potentially bring to the lineup. And they kind of like sat back for a little bit. Obviously Mikheyev had like crazy injury luck. So that was unfortunate, but just, I don't know. I feel like with um, Engvall, like the, as I'm, I guess I'm basing it on the last like, couple weeks but I've seen like basically his play is just trending up and I think that like a lot of people not that people only like the big names but I think that like he's a guy who's obviously a fourth liner he's probably going to be a bottom six guy as whole like at least in Toronto he's never going to be in the top six but he is a guy that I think provides like that depth that we need and he has been scoring lately and honestly his shot is like pretty nice when he does hit the net like it's actually a very good shot (laughs) when he does hit the net he he does (laughs) See, I'm kind of torn with my selection because you guys have brought, you know, a lot of the offense. But for me, it's the Leafs' second kind of sleeper signing of the summer, and that's David Kemp. Mm -hmm. The the work that he does to, you know, on the defensive side of the puck, he's given the Leafs a real sense that there's a a shutdown line on this team. And obviously him and Kasha, I kind of have them grouped together have just been remarkable since game one. Like, I don't think there's ever been a night where Kasha and Kemp have had a really bad night. Can anyone, can anybody just remember a night where they weren't on the ball? No, they've been lovely, especially in a shutdown role. I get it. I, I know I've said this a couple of times now, but at the end of the day, you need players to play their role and you need them to do exactly what they were signed to do. And over the last couple of years, there's been many, many a Maple Leaf who has not done that. And this year, especially with Camp and Kasha, like they've both done what they were signed to do. No one expected Kasha to be out there scoring 50, 60 points. No one expected Camp to score 25, 30 points. But they expected him to play third line, shut down the other team's best line, play the special teams, like the penalty kill and whatnot. And, and you're right, Pat. They've, they've just done what they needed to do. And it's, it's kind of cool to see that players come from a, from a different team and actually perform instead of leaving the Leafs and perform. Amanda, what have been your thoughts on Camp and Kasha? I love them on a line together. And I think, like, I don't know, the chemistry that they have together is just so good. And, like, you can't really make that up. So that's, like, together, I love them. And then I found that when Kasha was injured, 
I wasn't as like, not that I wasn't impressed, but I just wasn't feeling the same. Like, I don't know. Like, I didn't like Kasha on the first line. I definitely think that I like him better on that third line. But then I'm like torn because I really like the two of them together, but I can't figure out who I like on that line with them yet. That's fair. Yeah, that, that, that's kind of been out. like a toss up. Like, I, I, you know, it's funny because like, you know, you, Lucas, you brought up Mikheyev and then you, Amanda, brought up Angville, where if I had to choose, I, w- I liked Mikheyev on that third line. Um, you know, kind of have some wingers that can score on either side of Kemp with who doesn't really do that. Um, but Tangville does give you that, that extra option up and down that, you know, the bottom two lines. And, and he looked decent at times on that third line because he's got the size. He, he is a little bit more, um, you can rely him on, on him on the defensive side of the puck, which I like about Angville's game, even when he's not scoring, you know, I, I've been more cognizant of a lot of the small things that he does. Um, and I'm really starting to appreciate him, even if he doesn't score in, in large portions of the season. That's fair. To be fair, I have, a, I have a bet with a buddy of mine that Engvall wouldn't score more than 15 goals this year. He was a big Engvall guy. And I put an obnoxious amount of money on that saying he will not score 15 goals. And he's, uh, he's halfway there. So oh, I'm scared. I'm going to start an Engvall fan club on Twitter. <laughs> and I'm just going to tag you in every single tweet with him in it. Yeah, I, honestly, I respect it. I respect that. I, I was I'll make like a him. fan cam, and every time he scores, it's just going to be me being like, "Hey, Lucas." Hey, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. you can add to it. You'll be like the fourth person to text me. That's fine. That's fine. I'm not mad. Um. So you know what, Amanda? We'll start you off now on the F. The player I'll that the F one first. Oh, <laughs> uh, this one's hard because. I, if I'm being honest, I don't really think that anyone is an F per se, but we'll give like. There's a few guys that obviously have underperformed that I would say we expected more out of, I guess. I don't want to say this one because I think that a lot of people are going to disagree because he hasn't had enough playing time. I'm curious. Okay. For me, it's a toss up. There's like probably three players that I'm not going to say Mrazic because I just feel like injuries and everything. Like he really hasn't had a chance to fully grow his game with the Leafs. Uh, I'd probably be a toss-up between Richie and Lilligren. Let me explain. <laughs> so I'd say, I don't know, with Richie, I guess, I expected, and I really like him. Like, I started off the season really liking him. I think that just with him, maybe, like, obviously we expected more physicality and not, I think for me it's the taking stupid penalties because, like, yeah. read the room, man. Like, if we're literally having a stressful game and you take that two-minute penalty, like, it's so stupid. And then, it doesn't really give us the chance to like get back on our game. And I think that like, it sucks that he sat right now, but then at the same time, I'm like, I really, really like our lineup right now. And so it's hard to find like a spot for him. He's kind of like not really plugged in anywhere that we can like find for him, which I think that maybe on another team that needs a player, like, I don't know. I think that he could be like a third, fourth liner on another team. It's just our team right now has so much, depth and so much like there's so many different kinds of players and I just don't know really where he fits in right now I have to agree and like I know Lucas you and I have had this conversation offline is where does Joshua Hosang fit in all this after the Olympics you know what I mean like that's another element that just seems to just knock Nick Ritchie down that extra peg when you're looking at like the grander scheme of things and what this roster might look like come playoffs 
Yeah, no doubt. I, I honestly, we've had this conversation before about Richie. I didn't like him when they signed him. I didn't like him last year. I didn't like him year before that. I didn't like him year before that. And I, I don't think I ever will. He's just, he's not a guy that should be getting paid $2 million in the NHL. And it's unfortunate because there was high hopes. He was supposed to be a big, a big boy. He was going to take care of the dirty stuff for the Leafs. But as Amanda alluded to, like, this guy's this guy's hockey IQ could not be lower. At the worst possible times, he's taking penalties, and you sit there and you're like, "Dude, you you get ten minutes a game. Like, why would you want to spend two of those ten minutes in the box? Like, the last thing you should be doing is taking penalties unless it's after he after he's defending a teammate who who ate a dirty hit. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, yeah. the, the only yeah. penalties he should be taking are instigators and and roughing. Like, there there's no reason why he should be tripping people in the neutral zone. That's just the, his lack of yeah. lack of intelligence, lack of hockey IQ, lack of agility and, and I, fitness out there because if you're realistically everyone knows if you're taking tripping penalties you're slow you're behind a play you're using your stick not your body i mean yeah. by means um no i was just gonna say like i think too you can it's like there's a very obvious line between so like let's say we're using simmons and richie as an example like simmons is a guy that has a lot of heart and like he will step in and like some games you want him to step in more maybe, but like, I think that he's a player that he gets physical for the right reasons. And I think sometimes that Richie is just like, it's like, he's not performing. Like, I think a lot of players, I don't know if this is just me that sees this, but I think that a lot of players have this theory that they like come to play in Toronto and it's like a very high forward team. Like it's like everyone's scoring and you're getting scoring from your depth and you're getting scoring from your like top four guys and, whatever and then I feel like a lot of guys like even Simmons last year it was like he came and you were expecting kind like he was brought to the team to kind of be like that grit that we needed and to be like someone who would stand up for our players and everything and then I I don't know I kind of felt like for a little bit there he was like trying so hard to which is fine like to score goals but then it's like they lose like the type of player that they act like you know like what they brought to the team that was like something that was a bonus for the team like sometimes I feel like it's like you get into that mold of like being a high scoring team and being a team that's very offensive. Well, now we're both, but I'm just saying like an offensive team. And then I don't know, it kind of just feels like player. So I don't know, like, it, I don't know, but I know that when he was on Boston, he also took stupid penalties all the time. So I don't know. Yeah. No. And, and for me, like when, and I know when I was, when I thought of the signing, I merely thought he's going to be useless in the regular season, but come playoffs when the game becomes more clutch and grab and slower, I think what he brings can be beneficial, but then you're right, Amanda, like I, there's been so many players, like even David Clarkson back in the day that, you know, you had high hopes for, and maybe just the market, the pressure of wanting to deliver, they get out of their comfort zone and they try to, to do things that are completely out of character. Like Nick Ritchie's game is very simple. Get in front of the net, tip the pucks in, get the dirty goals. Like I don't need you to lead a rush. I don't, you know, maybe throw out the odd fist here and there, but he didn't bring even what he excelled at. Like there was, I just found that there was so like, I, I just, I, I just needed him out. Like he, he was just like a useless roster spot on so many nights. And it was just frustrating. Yeah. And it, it comes at opportunity to cost. If he was $750,000, I don't think we're having this conversation. No. And honestly, like in the fourth line role, I didn't think that he was bad. Like I wasn't like getting frustrated every single, it was just when he was taking the penalties that I was like, come on, like yeah. it'd be like such a close game with like a minute left. And then you're going to take like, why? Yeah. Why? yeah. It's the, it's the stupid penalty. Like, there's always the, like, you know, you see a guy breaking out, you think it's going to be a two on one. You, you kind of, you know, you take a hook, 
But like, there were so many times where it'd just be a stupid hooking penalty or a stupid interference penalty that if he just let the play happen, nothing would have happened. You know what I mean? It's the IQ it just lacked. Yeah, and in the pre, like I went to the first preseason game, and I know it's just preseason, but he honestly was really like he was like trying to score. Like he was not. I don't know. Like the first few preseason games, I'm like, hmm. I'm like, this guy could be good. Like maybe he'll be like surprising and. And then yeah. it was like, he was fun for a little bit. Like, I remember he got into that fight. I forget who it was with. And he, that was in like one of the first few games, I'm pretty sure. And I remember everyone on Twitter was like collectively losing their minds because they were like, oh my gosh, like Simmons and Richie, this is so fun. And everyone was like freaking out and like reposting the video. And then it was like a couple of weeks later and everyone just completely like changed the tune. And I totally get like with that player, that's probably a fair, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I feel it's uncalled for, but that time, honestly, fair. Yeah, no, and I think we kind of all agree on our F. So, you know, to kind of wrap up this week's podcast, I'm going to give you each and then myself, obviously, one final opportunity to give either a player or a coaching or something an additional A. So, Amanda, do you want to lead off with who you would give your additional A to on the team? Ooh. Hmm. Okay, wait, come back to me. Let me go last. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, Lucas, <laughs> who are you going to give your additional A to on the team? You know, to be honest, there's there's probably a, a couple A's that we could dish out. If you want to talk players, I'll leave, leave the coaching and whatnot to you, Pat. If you want to talk players, honestly, Morgan Riley deserves an A. He deserves an A+. Plus. Might even deserve an A++. Plus plus. And I know it's it's funny because he's fourth in team scoring and He's obviously their number one defenseman, so it seems obvious, but he has been so consistent as a Toronto Maple Leaf defenseman that he's flying under the radar, but consistently putting up points. Like 38 points in 42 games is no joke, logging 24 minutes playing all special teams. It's, it's kind of cool to see that the Leafs have an all-star, because really he should be in the all-star game. The Leafs have an all-star defenseman that nobody really talks about, because when you think the top D-men in the league, Morgan Riley's name doesn't normally crack the top 10 and it's it's cool because he plays in Toronto and the media usually hypes these players up but for some reason he continuously just slides under the radar and and I don't know if that's his demeanor and or his personality off the ice but he's just been lights out and sure he's got his brain farts what what player does and at the end of the day he's still young yeah Um, I I love the guy and I'm so happy he signed here for seven years and the way he's been playing this year it's got to lead the Leafs to a deep playoff run and he deserves an A so far for me is the special teams um last year the power play after christmas i believe it was or right after january just couldn't score like they were like it was just you know just give us the the face off in the opposing team zone and and i'll be happy with that but the one difference i've noticed on both is how aggressive and fluid they both are like i don't remember like Watching them, like there's not one player that's just standing around. Like if it's Mitch Marner or one of the forwards on the PK, you know, pressing the guys on the blue line. If it's the power play where guys aren't stationary, they're constantly moving. You know, it's like, you know, one time you'll see William Leander on the bumper and then all of a sudden he's in another position or Mitch Marner's like, like everything just seems to be clicking. And you see what I like about this power play is, you almost see it happening before it happens. Like there's purpose in, in the movements. There's purpose in the passing. There's purpose in why 
a guy is doing what he's doing. Whereas last year, I, I didn't have that same sense of that purpose. And, and I didn't know what they were doing. It didn't seem that they were being coached well. It didn't seem that there was any form of structure. Whereas on both this year, I, I love it. I, I just, if, if there's ever going to be a difference in this playoffs, it's going to come off the special teams. And I believe the Leafs are leading in both, aren't they? Or, or top they're, five? They're definitely close to the top. That's, that's for sure. They're definitely close to the top. I'm not too sure about power play, but penalty kill, they're, they're dominating. Our power play was first, like two days ago, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, oh, how do you complain? Like, you yeah, know, because they're not predictable can... anymore. Remember we had this conversation last year as to why they were so predictable? Because if Austin Matthews wasn't open for the one-timer, who was shooting the puck? No one. Now, now Mitch Marner finally has a shot. Since Where did that come from? Like, how are you? They're using Matt. They're using Tavares in the, the slot way more. That that's beautiful to see. And they're, they're, they're not staying. They're not staying still. Like they're, they're constantly yeah. moving. Matthews is on both sides of the ice in that short one and a half minutes. They're on the ice. And it's cool to see because the defense don't even know where the heck this guy is. He's at the top, top of the blue line to the left. He's the bottom right uh, of the offensive zone. It's, it's finally, they're doing what, what they should have always been doing. I don't know. I don't know what was going on last year, but it's in the past now because you're right this year it's been beautiful to watch it's much more it's literally like you know those table hockey games where you'd be able to push the player up and down that's what the power play and penalty kill were last year none of them pivoted east west you know what i mean like none of them none of them went side to side it was like okay i I know my line and i'm just gonna skate to that spot where the special teams have just been amazing um so i guess amanda here's your opportunity to to close out the pot your first podcast with us who deserves your second a Okay, I have two because I simply cannot choose. <laughs> okay, so my one is obvious. I'm going to give it to Alex Kerfoot. And my second one is Mitch Marner. And I think I have to, it's for two very different reasons. But I think that for me, most improved, probably both of them, to be honest. But I think that this season is like a season where I like to see like, people coming around and like you know saying like oh maybe I didn't like this player before and now this is like a breakout season for them and I think right now that's kind of what's happening with Kerfoot and I think so I honestly think that some players take more time like he really wasn't getting a lot of ice time like he wasn't being used properly in his role before and so I think that like when you do put a player like it's that's why like I do believe in like changing the lines and kind of like using players where they're needed and then that's kind of how you find out and I think that the playoffs last year as much as it sucked, obviously, that, like, how it went down. Uh, I think him and Nylander last playoffs were definitely, like, the one thing that I was like, wow, I'm really upset, but, like, this is a positive that I can take from this. And, like, everyone knows I'm, I like to take positives from things. So that was definitely, like, the one thing that I was impressed with. And then I think with, like, Marner, like, the way that he was in the playoffs and not just him, like, Matthews too. And I think for me, like, that was extremely disappointing. But then... I think that like a lot of people saw like everyone saying that like he didn't care and like I think obviously he does care I just think that like who's gonna perform like it's obviously a high stress market but I think like you know you kind of have to like give the player like they're not gonna read your tweets that are like calling them out calling them an idiot and all this stuff they don't they don't read your tweets honestly I'm like the guy does not like why are you sending him all these messages like if you want someone to perform well and you want them to stay in Toronto and you want them to contribute to this team, like, why are you doing that? Like, and honestly, like right now, I'm not saying that this is going to last forever and maybe he's just on a hot streak, but I have been extremely impressed with him. And I think 
out of our whole team, I probably get the most excited when he scores now. Like, it's just like to see him finally, like kind of like find his game. And like, I know a lot of people wanted like Nylander Matthews and maybe not Marner Matthews and whatever. But I honestly think that like at the end of the day, like I like either one. But I think that like he's finally proving to people like that he is not just like a setup guy. And I think that like he his passes like the other night he went through the legs and almost scored like that literally just like amazing, like such exciting plays. And I just think that like, yeah, he deserves an A. So we're doing both. Excellent. So this has been a fun podcast. Um, So over the next three weeks, we have some very special interviews. Uh, We have Jack Hahn, um, Rick Five and Mike Wilson from the Squid and ultimately fan podcast. And we also have to close out February, Steve Coolius uh, as well. Uh, so thanks everyone for listening. Look out for our upcoming interviews and uh, also be sure to check out our Twitter. We our sponsor focal USA has uh, up for limited edition purchase, a Jack Campbell all-star bobblehead. So be sure to check that out. And also if you haven't yet, check out Amanda's first blog at centerization.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you both for a wonderful show. And have a great weekend, both of you. Nice, Pat. Thanks. Take care, guys. This latest podcast is brought to you by our sponsors, Focal USA and the Council on Queen West. Also, be sure to register your email address on our website, centeroflusnation.com, for all our weekly updates directly to your inbox. 